Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 191 of the Pika Serenity podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Emilson, and joining me, we have my co-host, Anomaly. Hello. And uh, this week, Firek is dead for good. We're both done with Krog, and uh, woo, it's over. Uh, we also have more MDI stuff, including uh, we want to take some time to talk over the details of the portal strat that uh, Echo used on the Murazal's so cool. Rise dungeon. It's so cool, yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk some about, like, I, I don't know what to call it, like, prog stuff. Yeah, like, pro, like how, like, prog, like, uh, strategies, we'll say, like, how you approach yeah. progression, particularly in a boss and, like, pull speed and, you know, discussion yeah. and stuff like that, so. Yeah, and then um, there's just, you know, grab bag of other news. Some of you will remember that Warlock blog post from the old Warlock designer that like left a while back that they were like going through the redesign from Mists. It was posted five years ago. <laughs> the, first the last one. part of it's finally out. Yes, Zelnath finally finished that epic blog. <laughs> um, and I mean, I've not finished reading that post, but from what I have read, it is a worthy finale to that series. So, oh, yeah. you know. It's good. It's good. But uh, yeah, where do we want to start this week? Do we want to start with MDI? Yeah, we can start with MDI. I think, yeah, we, we talk about your progression, how you finish off the boss with the... Uh, with, we'll, uh, we'll talk prog stuff yeah. along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so MDI continues this week. It is Group B. Uh, they're going on right now if you're listening to this live or listen to this on Monday. It happened over the weekend. Um, currently perplexed, I think, is just crushing in Group B. Um, with a hodgepodge of other teams sort of vying really for for the second second place coming out of this. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, the biggest thing actually happened after the podcast last week. So MDI has been MDI, you know, not a ton of real large innovation, um, except from a little guild by the names of by the name of Echo pulled off probably one of the most creative uh, strategies in a while, I'll say. I mean, I think MDI for the most part has been known for you know, it was it was uh, in BFA when it started. It was all about what you can snap where. So it's basically snapping was the big thing. Um, you know, moved on to I think snapping continued to be a part of it, but then moved on to like, okay, how can you route things? Like, what's the biggest pulls you can do? How much trash can you pull into a boss? Because that was always a time save, um, things like that. But then this this sort of MDI um, with is it is it Rise that has the Marzal's Rise, yeah. yeah. Within Rise, um, Echo pulled off probably one of the, the craziest strats I think I've ever seen. So to give you a little bit of a, a background here on the actual tech. So in Rise, uh, after the first boss, um, as you go to split to Morchi or to Battlefield, um, there is an area in the middle that has these sort of time wardens. And when you kill a warden, it links you, uh, it drops a portal and that portal links to the previous portal that may have dropped. So it's an easy way to move around the area. And we thought that was it. That sort of just made it quicker to move around that, that small area. What Echo found <laughs> was you could actually move those uh, those Time Wardens to other areas of the dungeon. Um, and basically the portals still worked the same way they did if they were all in the same room. So you could still potentially teleport um, fairly long distances. So what Echo did, and there's actually a really good video by, uh, it's actually up on the Warcraft uh, YouTube, but, but it's narrated by Dratnos. That goes over this, but but essentially what Echo did was utilizing a combination of shadow melds to drop combat and um, and snaps to basically snap mobs to specific players. They essentially were able to place portals between the battlefield and Morchi's arena, uh, which allowed them to kill essentially battlefield and instantly port to Morchi and then kill Morchi and move on to the dungeon, um, which is I I think absolutely absolutely wild. <laughs> Like, just yeah. some crazy tech there. Um, so the the way that it worked in total is they got one of the portal keepers from the main room low. Uh, then they, um, they sent Zalia ahead to Morchi's room. He They stealth past the ads there, and they're just in the encounter area for Morky. Morchi, how are you say it? How are you supposed to say that? I think it's Morchi. Also, Zalia did stealth because Zalia was in combat when he lands. So he has oh, to. Right. 
he has to use whatever the feral jump is to jump past that okay. trash, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is even more crazy. <laughs> um, but then they start spamming regrowth on themselves in order to generate threat because healing generates threat. Um, now Shadow Melts playing Night Elf Demon Hunter. Uh, they Shadow Meld and the low HP Portal Keeper uh, the the changes they made to snapping after BFA mean that basically snapping takes time. They don't teleport immediately, but they will eventually. Mm-hmm. So it teleports to Zelia. Zelia kills it with Iridol, which is this uh, caster weapon, if you're not familiar, that does a very large amount of damage to a single target when they are in execute range, and they finish it off using that. That drops a portal in Morchi's room. Mm-hmm. Now, while this is going on, is getting a summon from the warlock in the group in the battlefield room yep. and uh basically throws a glaive while they take the summon oh he didn't he didn't use throw glaive he used didn't uh, use throw glaive? he used the oh sigil same principle you, you yeah. use something that is going to do damage after he moves but hasn't put him in combat yet so he can still take the summon yep sigil is a better plan that's way yeah. easier um and uh then that second portal keeper snaps to now um and they kill that in battlefield while they're doing the tank and then Zelia can port across and heal actually they might have also summoned Zelia. i don't i i didn't pay attention to that part because yeah. honestly that's not the cool, cool part but what they're left with is a portal between the battlefield room and Morchi's room, it's just wild. And then they it just are immediately like the, the tank dies in the battlefield room, the next other trash spawns, and they pull it, they snap it onto Morchi using yep. the portal. So they're like, not only are they skipping all the transit time between those things, they're also uh doing extra trash, like yep. it, they're making the trash more efficient at the same time. It's crazy. Oh yeah, I it's forgot so they take cool. I take the they take the three mobs before the final yeah. boss spawns over to Morchi, kill Morchi and those three mobs, and then go back and kill the final boss of Battlefield. Yeah. Yeah, that like the the efficiency there is absolutely wild. Like yeah. I wish I because I, I actually watched this live and I think the funny thing is is like the casters, casters were so confused. They're not did not have any idea what's going on. And I think that I think the live broadcast missed out on like how cool this was it was nice that warcraft like that they did the come main back war- later yeah went and back and basically it. had dratno like well dratno's talked about it. and then also they put out that video that actually describes in detail exactly yeah, how all yeah, this yeah. sort of tech worked but yeah it was it was wild watching it um that, watching that video it by the way will be linked in the show notes i pulled it up uh on on stream if you're watching the video version saw clips of it but if you want to watch the whole thing with dratno's much clearer explanation you can use yeah. that in the show notes yeah, but it, it's a cool idea of using like Shadow Mel to drop aggro, using healing aggro, using the snap tech, using like delayed abilities and summons in instances, right? Yeah. Like, so it's um yeah, it was a it was a really cool, really cool skip. And some of the yeah, like I think the video on Warcraft's YouTube channel is like the most innovative MDI strat or something, or most creative uh strategy in MDI history is like the name of it. And I think right now that hands down is one of the most creative strats we've like, seen. So I think the only thing that competes with it is the angry toast snapping. Like the first time we really saw yeah. snapping was in a tall desire by Angry Toast, where they were the the ones that pioneered doing the leaps onto the um where the torches are. Yep. And having all the stuff snapped to the tank there using misdirects and 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 things like that. Uh, to prevent things from from leaping, and that's that's the only thing that's comparable, really. Oh yeah, yeah. I think everything else has just been a like, how big can we pull something, or like, how can we pull things? Like, like I mentioned, how how much can we pull into a boss, or how can we get this into the boss and and uh, damage it there? But yeah, no, it's super interesting. So we'll see a lot more of it. I think uh, moving forward. I think it's funny. I think Echo has had tried to skip Rise, like not play Rise for the longest time. They've been like, banning it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just ended up not doing it for this one. So, um, but cool. Yeah. That's the, that's the fun MDI stuff that the biggest MDI stuff that I think happened, but yeah, Echo eventually just to sort of close out, they won group a came back yeah. through losers. Um, they lost to another team, which we talked about last week, but they lost yeah. to another team in the upper bracket, came back through the losers bracket and, this map that they played uh the Merzon's Rise on or the the set that they played Merzon's Rise on was one of the last ones that they did. Yeah. <laughs> and they absolutely destroyed with it. Dude, crushed. Actually, that's that's an I want to see what is what was their time? 
yeah it was like insane. their like time was 17 minutes? 10 and the other team didn't even finish yeah like they had they had they were basically having they had both bosses morchi and battlefield dead uh before like yeah the other team had even actually they just had one of the two dead so yeah they were well yeah. ahead yeah. um with that tech so um no it was it was cool it was uh it was an interesting way to to play that dungeon so um well cool i think the only i guess move, sort of moving maybe slightly forward here um like you mentioned they finished our uh zelnath uh also known as um alexander brazy finished off uh sort of his three-part series of the warlock redesign going into cataclysm or sorry going into mists of pandaria um, and so if you're not familiar, Zelnath, um, he has a blog out there that sort of goes over a bunch of postmortems from a design perspective. Like his Shade of Iran three-part series on like designing Shade of Iran is really interesting um, if you care about that. But he did finish off this big one, which was he was in charge of the Warlock redesign uh, going into MOP. Um, and the interesting part about this is he he comes at it from a very, very a way that Blizzard has traditionally, I don't think they've ever really done it to this extent. Um, I think they've tried, but he basically got like four or five, I don't know how many it ended up being, but he got a number of actually players, um, sort of very, we'll say like integral players in the in the um, in the community, the warlock community, you know, very vocal ones, right, to basically be his sounding board. So he started like an email thread with them, I think it was, and essentially was like, look, I'm going to bring you on the design process, show you what my thinking is before actually doing it. The only thing is, you can't tell anybody. Like, just don't yeah. tell anybody we're doing this. And then you can talk about it once this goes live, once it's fully announced. But like while we're designing it, try and not say anything. The funny thing is those players never did say anything. Like it came out definitely after the fact, right? But while they went through this whole sort of MOP alpha and beta design phase um, with the Warlock class, like um, sort of kept their mouth shut. And it's honestly, I think to this day, this design, this redesign is considered one of the best redesigns of any class. Yeah. Um, you know, regardless of, of what you think they, you know, it's sort of um, warlocks going, leaving cataclysm were sort of not in the best position. Um, they sort of were basically three of the same thing. They were like the same thing. I think he goes into some detail about this, but yeah, from what I remember personally, it was like, like Destro was the dot spec and like affliction was like Destro. Like it was, it was just like, yeah. there wasn't a lot of like identity for each of them. So um, Defs really needed a redesign, and I think, you know, this was one of the greatest, probably the best redesign in the history of WoW. Um, yeah. And sort of, yeah, was able to um, leverage the community for it, which in a way that I don't think Blizzard has ever done since. I think they've tried this. I don't think it's ever worked as well as it did in this specific case. And I don't know if that's like the way Alex or Alexander, I don't know if he goes by Alexander or Alex, but I'll call him Zelnath. <laughs> the way like Zelnath... Uh, presented it to the players and like his own ability to like convey the ideas or just like the players he worked with were like very much like cared more like not cared more but like we're very in tune with like this is what we want out of the class that yeah doesn't make it overpowered doesn't make it like a ridiculous type well, class well yeah it was a little then. bit overpowered in mop and that's true i guess they were really good mop but um <laughs> but no it went i mean it, it, it went really well so yeah sorry yeah. long story short he finishes off the blog post uh, the blog i guess chain of posts yeah uh, with part three uh it's like a little wrap up so yeah and i mean i think one thing to keep in mind as well um so kind of pre-cataclysm your talent trees were very flexible you could kind of do whatever you you could go you know a third into each or all into one uh, mm -hmm. There was a lot of flexibility, and so there wasn't so much spec identity. Like when you hear some of the old designers talk about, like, "Oh, we didn't like the talents that you know you got one percent extra hit." That's a lot of what the talent trees were. One percent extra hit is not spec identity; it's just like player power, right? Yeah. Um, so there wasn't really this same level of separation between the specs to the point that they would have their own identities that started as a change with cataclysm where they switched to the model where like when you hit level 10 you picked a spec first mm -hmm. and it gave you this ability for your spec that your spec was going to maybe not be built around but it was going to be important right like marksmanship hunter got aimed shot mm -hmm. that kind of deal um and i don't remember what warlocks got they were definitely not one of the classes that had like a clear identity for each of their specs, like you were saying. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons the Warlock redesign might have been as successful as it was is because there was so much room for them to improve. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think it gave them a direction where they didn't have one. So yeah, I think that's part of it too. They were in such a bad position previous to that. Um, yeah. But I think, still, I mean, I think even still like the, the, the way that the redesign went, like the, the way that MOP Warlock played, I think people will say that's one of the best oh, yeah. playing classes. Like Absolutely. Regardless of how bad they were beforehand, like they came out in a, in a very it's, good spot in, in MOP. That and like people really liked uh, Marksmanship Hunter and HFC is the other one that I like, keep hearing about. Yeah. That, like people, even people that don't play Hunter were like, that was, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. So no, he finishes up the blog. You get to, you know, part three, five years later, uh, yeah. is, uh, is really cool to read through. Um, and like I said, the whole blog has a bunch of other postmortems. The shade of Iran one, like I mentioned is really cool. Um, if you care about the way that like fight design goes and, um, how they, how they design things at Blizzard. So it gives you a little bit of peek behind the scenes, how some of the old names would interact with the designers. Um, but yeah, I wish, I mean, it's funny as much as we we talk about this like there is the ability they i don't i think blizzard does this a little bit more often today where they will take i think more directed feedback from certain members of the of your community so like there yeah. are always going to be certain players that have the ear of a designer but i don't think it was ever to like this extent where like yeah essentially like i think alex went to them and was like i'm doing a redesign and i have no idea what i'm doing so i'm just going to give you ideas and you tell me if they're good or not right like it's a very honest approach to designing yeah. where like i think blizzard isn't that not that they're that honest, but like I think they come in with a plan nowadays of like this is what we want to accomplish. Let us know where we need to tweak things versus you know provide wildly new ideas. So, um, but no, cool. It's really really interesting. A little behind the scenes stuff. So I check out all three posts, and he's got a bunch of other stuff on that blog that are is cool to to read through. So, um, speaking of talent redesigns, uh. <laughs> Blizzard uh, came out with a little bit of a blue post um, on the Oracle hero talent tree. So if you're not familiar, Oracle, of course, is the holy priest, dispriest hero talent tree. We actually talked about this one last week or two weeks ago now um, about the fact yeah. that it centered a lot, lot around uh, a lot around um, PI, power infusion. Um, we didn't we as non priest players, I think both of us were on the same page like this seems like a little much. Um, particularly yeah. the way like the buff system worked and like keeping that all track. I think I talked a little bit about the fact that like in general playing WoW, at least as a healer, there's a lot of things to juggle and like juggling a card like system to like dish out the right card at the right time just seems yeah. a little much. Um, so Blizzard basically put a, a blog post that says, thanks for all the feedback. And uh, we are going to revisit the Oracle tree um, and they call out specifically its focus on replacing power infusion. So it looks like they're going to take a look at exactly what that tree is going to going to do and, and how it interacts with power infusion. But um, but yeah, it's I don't know. I think this is a good play because there's a as a healer, like I think every class is a lot to juggle. But I think as a healer, you have the added issue of like also like you're ma you're making in moment decisions and then having life some other thing like decisions. life like basically like wipe or not wipe decisions, right? And so um. Yeah, it becomes a, a greater focus and like having to also add on top of that, like watching UI to make sure you place the right buff on another player just seems yeah. like a ton of annoyance. So yeah. Yeah. Um absolutely good, good on them. Good on them to to take a look at this. So I just wish they would release more talent trees because like we've gotten what, like four no or five. Yeah, no new ones this soon, week. So soon, fingers crossed. We hope. We hope. I we mean hope. Alpha Alpha's starting soon, right? Alpha's in the spring, so yeah, we are Hopefully. hitting March. We are about yeah. to hit March. That is correct. Um, yeah. And then we've got uh, another little touch up on the raid. Tendril is getting nerfed again. 10% more HP off him. Uh, no other mechanical changes. Um, oh, I guess 10% off of Tendril and off of the roots. Yep. Uh, this does not fix that one overlap where you still, I mean, you kind of can get away with not everybody getting rooted now. Kind of, but really no. Like no. that one overlap in phase one, everybody needs freedom and that hasn't changed. Yeah, we've been uh, we've taken to in my guild. We have a like we have a couple of members of the guild that have like friends elsewhere that, that play the game. Um, and so that we have a couple that are on Tindril and we're having over under bets on wipe counts. Like, oh, man, we have one of my one of the one of the warriors in my guild. His uh, his his buddy's guilds up to 740 pulls oh, on Tindril. Oh, my God. And this is he's like all of those post nerf like they didn't get to tendril until after like the big nerfs oh a couple weeks God. ago it's just like that's tendril is 
I think Tindril is a very fun fight to play. Um, well, we can, we're going to talk some about Prague yeah. overall stuff later in the podcast. Um, it took us more polls than I had wanted, but the, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun fight to play. It is so punishing. The moment that you fall behind on a mechanic, you're yep. just hosed. Everything is so quick. You need to be a step ahead of every single mechanic for the whole, you know, eight minutes of the fight or whatever, seven minutes of the fight. And it's hard. <laughs> it is yeah. hard to maintain that level of play for seven minutes. Yeah. No, it's, I think, yeah, we could talk about it, the, the prior side, but I think Tindril in general is one of my favorite fights in a while. Yeah. Um, even like, I think just in, even as a healer and even as like it being, there are some very scary moments, I'll say. I still think it's one of the best fights they've put together in a, in a very long time. Yeah, I think it would have been better if it were missing specifically some of the toxic elements from phase one. That and the yeah. seed change. When they change to seed, that, that, yeah, the seeds instant wiping you. Yeah. Maybe a little bit much. Yeah, soaking too. I think the seeds change definitely helped. And I think... Having progressed both of them, the seed change definitely helped. I think doing it yeah. now, I having having been able to experience at least the pre-nerf seeds, I'm glad I got to play that because I think yeah. we, we would have been able to kill it without that being a change, but that change just makes that part super uh, much easier. But yeah, yeah. The, the phase one overlap was, yeah, that was stressful because like for me, I was... Not only was I escape artisting as a gnome, but I had to like tigers less somebody else. And like if I was yeah. half a second early, that person died. That, so that's one like of a, the things one yeah. of the things we messed up. We I I think we'll do this differently if if something like this ever happens again. We had people that could go gnome that we didn't ask them to go gnome to fix our problem with not having enough freedoms. Mm -hmm. And we should have just like day one been like, you should be a gnome. Yeah, you we just need to be a gnome. Yeah, let's talk about that in like the raid yeah, thing because we'll, we have a yeah. we've there's a we have a guild mentality. I think that might be slightly slightly different. Yeah, that, that'll that. be fun to talk about. Yeah, but um, uh, let's let's rapid fire some of these other ones. We got a couple of season of discovery uh, news items, right? Yeah, I think the only thing I wanted to highlight. So this is my I think my baby love season of discovery. Um, two things: number one, Blizzard banning GDKPs seems to be working out, except if you are trading gold outside of the auction house to anyone in the game for things. <laughs> So there's been a couple of random, a couple of, of, we'll say Reddit posts, but people out in the world basically being banned for trading gold, like outside yeah. of using the auction house, like whether that's to do something, some sort of trade out, you know, yeah, um, you know, just between two players. So just be careful of that. Um, but it's, I'm a it's, little sus with those. Like those Reddit posts have a long history of getting dunked on the first time they get a GM in the comments. Like you get a blue in the comments, and they're like, "Yeah, we looked up your shit, man." Yeah, like you traded two hundred gold for a gray. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's go. Um, yeah, but a couple, so. a couple of posts like that. But it seems to be working. Like I've, I've logged in GDKPs literally overnight. Stopped being advertised. So they did a really good job cleaning that yeah. up. Um, and the other thing too is Blizzard did mention, and this is something that I was w wondering about, um, that forty man, forty player raids in vanilla will more than likely remain forty player raids, meaning that like Anixia, you know, Montcore, Blackwing Layer, if you get that far, yeah. uh, all will see seemingly will be staying uh, forty players. So um, that's interesting because I, I will say that my friend group specifically is a ten man type team, so yeah. like we. If they go to 40, we will never do a 40 man raid. Yeah. Which means like at max level, potentially we, you know, our season discovery journey ends, right? There. Yeah. What is likely, in my opinion, is it like maybe they release ZG earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah. ZG or like turn um like UBRS into something different. Yeah. LBRS. Um and potentially also just, you know, you've got other dungeons at that level like Stratholm, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That could get, uh, could get you know a, a ten player raid version. I think that they will they'll keep the forty player raids forty player, and they will make the they will use the existing ten player stuff like ZG and what, what was the AQ one? AQ was twenty, right? They might turn AQ twenty yeah. into a ten player raid, and then also do a couple of other like conversions to give people ten player content mm -hmm. to keep this like ten player raid content drip throughout the rest of season of discovery once people hit level 60 um without you know taking away the 40 player raids that are a big part of what people 
like play classic, like vanilla classic four. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hope so. Cause I think that's been, that's been a lot of fun. The, the 10 player stuff. And I think the 40 player stuff you get into like what, what I do in 25 man and wrath classic, which I don't talk to anybody. I just go yeah. in do my damage and leave. Like it's, yeah, it's not, yeah. not that, not that crazy. You're so. a Zerg, not a, not um, a raid team. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um we cool, also then, have, Oh, sorry. We have uh, tuning changes for SOD. Yeah, I mean, are I there think any specifically you wanted to highlight? The only one's the Hunter one. So, okay. like, I don't know if you've seen, if you haven't, if you don't pay attention to the season discovery, uh, Melee Hunters have been Destroying? honestly just literally like, uh, yeah, like there's, I can't think of a good parallel from a retail perspective of like a class that's just literally like head shoulders and probably midsection above like the rest of it. It's like, <laughs> it's like your bet. You have Yao Ming as the, as the sort of, uh, as sort of melee hunters and you have like, you know, a average sized human as everyone else. Right. In terms of like the, the difference in power. So they sort of hit melee hunters pretty hard with removing the buff. Um, so they have a, they have a, they have a rune that gives them melee specialization that increased Raptor strike damage by 30%. They basically removed that 30%. Yeah. increase from Raptor Strike and just made it normal damage. So um, that should bring those melee hunters, I think, back in line with the rest of them. Um, but yeah, that's really the only big note. Uh, there's a bunch of other changes. I don't play any, like, I don't really yeah. track much there's of There's a couple either. that stand out to me Okay. Um, from doing the tank stuff. Uh, so specifically, Shaman Tank. Let's talk about Shaman Tanking in Season of Discovery and what counts for Shaman Tanks on Warcraft Logs in Season of Discovery. Nice. Basically, we changed how the tank rules work for No Morgan. Um, we had gone with the really lax rules from, from original vanilla uh, mm -hmm. in BFD, and it was a disaster. We had people that were incorrectly... Like, you just... You could zero tank BFD, the entire thing. You didn't yeah. need a tank on any boss. You can probably also do that in No Morgan once you get, like, gear... Mm -hmm. um but it's not as free but anyway like because you didn't need a tank there was a bunch of people like tanking in dps runes and complaining about not getting a dps parse because instead they got like a really good tank parse but it's a tank parse and they wanted the dps parse yeah and then you have the tanks coming and being like i'm an actual tank actually tanking this with actual tank stuff on why am i being compared to this deadly brew rogue that has zero tanking stuff on and so nobody exactly. said be. It was a yeah. disaster. So we changed the rules. Now you have to use some like tank stuff to signify that you are trying to tank. Um, and also kind of to, to keep those like deadly brew rogues out of the tank rankings and in the DPS rankings. Mm -hmm. Shaman has the way of earth rune. Way of earth is their tank stance kind of deal. Yeah. Except that it competes with another really good rune, shamanistic rage. Which no, it doesn't. <laughs> spirit of the alpha which is on their boots and they just literally like didn't have a good rune for that yeah They're, they don't have a good rune for that period so they put spirit of the alpha there and we basically adjusted our rules so that that counts for them their tank stances if they take spirit of the alpha and they cast it on themselves yep that counts for the tank stance and i say all of that because one of the patch notes here is spirit of the alpha rune now grants the casting shaman 20 percent increased attack power if they cast the spell on a target other than themselves they kind of use it on someone else yeah that's not supported by the way we're not <laughs> doing that like, nice. like the equivalent this is spirit of the alpha is kind of the equivalent of um blessing of salvation in mm -hmm. in uh classic where blessing of salvation is a threat reduction Yep. Um, so Spirit of the Alpha is like you make one person's threat higher. The equivalent is a power than putting Blessing of Salvation on everybody except that person. But we really are not going to like screw around with uh, like trying to make the equivalence of like, well, your Paladin can play Buff Bot and just like put Blessing of Salvation. It's a five minute buff, by the way. Blessing of Salvation on every person except the tank in your raid every five minutes. Yeah. In order awesome. to have this like equivalence, it's it's not happening. So I'm <laughs> I'm a little bit curious if they looked at their data and they were like, man, all these people are taking Spirit of the Alpha and using it on themselves. Yeah, and don't quite understand why. I probably just had no idea. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I guess they would have an idea, but yeah. Um, I just thought that just stood out to me as extremely funny. funny. Like the and the only reason we supported the Spirit of the Alpha at all is because you can swap runes. Uh, there's some shenanigans you can do to swap runes. The fact that you've taken off the way of the earth rune doesn't 
doesn't remove the buff or remove your ability to use the Earthshock taunt immediately. You yeah. keep them for about 10 seconds. So we were starting to see people who were like, well, Shamanistic range is way better. Yeah. So and I don't need Way of the Earth. So I will start the fight by swapping from Way of the Earth to Shamanistic Rage, cast my Earthshock taunt to get marked as having the rune on, and then use Spirit of the Alpha to maintain threat for the rest of it, and also That's get so Shamanistic funny. Rage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the boy. weird stuff classic people do. Ugh. Classic, um, man. Yeah. Well, SOB, uh, SOB <laughs> tons of changes. I mean, I think those are, we just kind of highlighted too, but like, in these notes, like Rogue gets a bunch, Druid's getting a ton more on the healing side, I think, and a little bit on the Moonkin side. So, um, yeah, they seem to be putting a lot of effort into into SOD, trying to at least balance it, tune it up a little bit. So, yeah. Um, but cool. I think then um, before we get into sort of like the progression stuff, we've we've hinted at. There's one other final thing, which is um, Blizzard did do a blue post on the basically discussing the bad luck protection for fire fire. Oh, how do you say this? Fear laugh. It's the opposite. Like Firak is Firak. This is not. This is Fear laugh. Fear laugh, which is the legendary axe weapon axe. Um, So they basically put out a post that said they are essentially increasing the bad luck protection um, that is granted by the greater and lesser essences or embers. Sorry. Um, that play that you basically receive for you know killing Firek and not getting a drop or killing some of the earlier bosses, um, and so uh, you know based on this change, I think the biggest thing to come out of that is that Wowhead actually noticed from a data mining perspective that they believe they may have uncovered the actual per- drop chance percentage uh, of the legendary. Which again, this is all data mined, not really backed up by any sort of specific blue post. Um, but essentially what they came out to, um, so the, there's a post about this, a bunch of percentages everywhere, but I think for people to understand, um, essentially they say like, uh, if you had, if you kill heroic Firak every week, or sorry, if you kill a heroic Firak, you have to kill Firak 13 times before you are guaranteed, uh, the ax to drop. Um, so uh, on it's heroic, like you kill it 13 times on heroic and then the 14th time, time. you're guaranteed to get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, Mythic has a same bad luck protection. Mythic, though, is five kills. And then on the sixth kill, you're guaranteed to get it um, based on the data mining, which, again, I think the old version of this, if we, this is to be believed, like on yeah, Heroic, you only ever got a 30% drop chance that that's the highest it ever was. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's 30% at week 40, like kill yeah. number 40, yeah. right? Which is just that's wild. such a lot. That's 10 months. This tier is not going on for 10 months. The, and this, I think, so the reason I put this in here is because I, I think the numbers are interesting if you're a numbers person. But to me, yeah. the bigger issue with this is I hate this legendary system. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think, like, this type of single drop legendary system, it's the same reason I hated or I dislike the old, God, like, the Thunder Fury legendary system. Yeah. Where you I, just like, had to hope to get a binding they drop. Exactly. Which is why I think the... um. Like the the rogue daggers, like Shadowmorn, like those yeah. those systems. Um, so rogue daggers from Cataclysm, Shadowmorn from from Wrath, right? I think those systems where you collect a bunch of items are, in my mind, much better. Like I think there's still the chance, like you go multiple boss kills without getting a, a shard or whatever, while getting the yeah. item you need. But there's typically like weekly some sort of progress, right? Some sort yeah. of like it, weekly progress. It would have been better if those greater embers were actually just like when you get you know let's say 10 of them or 10 of whatever them, right you are you can then get the axe like you just you're going to get it um which is more or less where we're at now it, but it's like okay if it were when you get 10 of them you're guaranteed to get it and mythic always drops two and heroic is like uh guaranteed to drop one with a chance for a second some of you it's like 20 right yeah you're, when you get 20 of them you're guaranteed to get it mythic heroic always drops one chance mm-hmm. to drop two uh normal always drops you know or like has half a chance to drop like one half, yeah. and lo- lfr has a low chance to drop one yeah. right um but honestly like i don't even feel the need to be like our lfr players can't have like give lfr players the fucking legendary yeah i don't yeah i think it's i think it's what I, like from my point of view i think this this whole greater ember thing just 
it would be better served to your point if it's an actual UI thing you can see. Like this yeah. sort of hiding the percent chance to me just doesn't it doesn't make yeah. sense. Like, and it's I'm a very much a I think we've I've said this multiple times this podcast. I'm a huge fan of numbers going up. So yeah. if you give me a UI element where I can visually see the number go up and I am more inclined to like that system, even if the actual end yeah. result is the same as this system, right? Yeah. Like in my mind, it's always like, okay, like I am making progress. If I don't get one this week, like if I'm an LFR only person, it's like a 25% chance to drop one of these things. I need 10 of them. It's like, okay, well, I missed out this week, but maybe I'll get one next week. And then when I get that 10th yeah. one, I'm excited. Even yeah. if it takes me the same amount of time if I like, didn't get to see the actual yeah. item or whatever. There's so. also one of the things about these these RNG systems is that on average they work out, but there's always the people that are not getting the average, the people that get lucky and get it right away, which is fine, mm -hmm. and the people that get very unlucky and potentially never get it despite many, many, like I guess in this case, if their old numbers are correct, you would be guaranteed to get it after 10 Mythic kills. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still we're 14 weeks into the tier as I like that's what like and we killed yeah. it so like we killed it right around this time that means another what two months. months two months yeah of kills yeah. before you get it but guaranteed to get it yeah I mean I I don't know I think in my mind yeah I just I just I don't I don't like this hidden sort of percentage piece of it I don't like the the pass fail nature of it the like single drop get legendary versus not because yeah. to your point like yeah the only thing you see on the outside is like, oh, such and such got the axe this week and I didn't, right? Which means yes. now this sucks. There's no like build up towards, okay, like we funnel things to one person, they get all the items they need, they get the axe and then we funnel to the next person, which is yeah. to me like in my mind, like, I don't know. I just, I would hate to have to manage that as I think, someone I that think, runs a raid and has to deal with loot. That would suck. Don't do that. Just give it, push personal. <laughs> everybody gets it. Just, nope, I don't want to deal with it. I, I agree. I mean, I think the the people management side of that type of system, I think, is much more difficult than this. So maybe that's why they do it. But in my mind, I think it's just, I don't know. I, I, this whole like hidden drop chance stuff is just, yeah, it just doesn't. I don't like it. Yeah. So I yeah, I'm I'm on board with it. I think there are very few people that look at this and are like, "That's fun. I want that." Yeah. Or this like, or like, like I get like this is the be like this is the best way to do it, right? Like that's yeah. it's. I don't think it is. I think there's a there's definitely better ways to yeah to this this isn't like diablo or poe or last epoch or anything like that where like you can just you get so many items and it's okay like yeah. you, you'll eventually get it you don't need it um it's not the same it's not the same yeah i will say though like the the one thing and and i guess so to a lesser extent i actually experienced this like with the pass fail piece of a drop not in the legendary case but like yeah. with with my hunter in wrath like Basically, about a month ago, I got needed everything I could get from the heroic bosses we were killing, not Lich King, but everything else. Um, but one belt off of like Fester Gut or Rot Face, one of the, the, the yeah. Plague Wing bosses. And I would literally be excited about the raid up until we killed that boss. And then, like, and you're done. Then I'm, then I don't care because it either dropped yeah. or it didn't. And like, I feel like that's a lot of like the way that, like, if I would needed a, this, if I played a warrior or whatever DPS, like yeah. melee DPS class at one of this, like, I would feel the same way every time we killed heroic fire rock each week. Right. Yeah. It's just like, great, and that's what it sucks. That's, that's what would happen both with this and with the evoker legendary last year is we would go yeah. with everybody would log on. We do heroic, we would kill the boss and it wouldn't drop and people would just instantly log off. Yeah. Well, even like in our raid, like we would, we would, we, we ran heroic as sort of a thing every week where we're doing fire rock mythic progression and like it would suck when we'd like someone's alt would come in and get it over like oh our yeah main warrior and just i'd be like yeah shit hype that sucks dude like yeah and like that's we had, we had literally that multiple times multiple times <laughs> yes which <laughs> is like great like our like argo got the axe i think one week over hype and i don't think he's completed it yet so yeah well that's because prop warrior is an inferior tank that can't use it that's true so that's true me on that i i agree i hate that he won't play another tank class uh every <laughs> every every tier progression uh, um but cool yeah but that's on the, the so they released all the or not released but you know based on the data mining it seems like we have the numbers for it so if you're waiting for the axe kill heroic fire rack 14 times and you're guaranteed to get it yeah um you mentioned fire rack progression yes i'll talk progression progression chat and i'll, I'll sure. let you introduce this because this was this was your idea to talk about yeah this. so so i think i wanted to talk a little bit about just between us like strategies going into progression because what i noticed right is that 
our guilds are fairly similar in terms of progression in terms like where we're at right um and how we progress and when we kill bosses and things like that so what i noticed which was very interesting was while the time it takes for us to kill bosses is relatively the same the number of pulls at least for the last we'll say three bosses of this tier is wildly different like yeah orders of magnitude different which in my mind just sort of lent to um so that was the first thing i noticed the second thing was I actually watched your raid on friday um, before you killed it, which I don't think we used to mention, but you you killed Fire yeah. X, so congratulations. Um, but what I noticed was just like the speed at which you pulled in between in between wipes is even faster than we do, um, which is I think just an interesting thing. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like from a progression point of view, um, is it better just to get reps through it, or is there a or is it better to basically each time you wipe talk about okay what happened. Right. Uh, even yeah. if it's only for like 30 seconds, but spend that, like, take that sort of like half breath and then get back into it versus like everybody dies as you're, as people are still rezzing, you need to be eating and like the pull timer starts and like then you're going like yeah. less than we're not that fast, later. <laughs> but like, yeah. The, um, so there's been an evolution for us in how we handle this. Uh, mm-hmm. We used to be a lot more like every pull taking time talking about it often taking too long right like yeah. five ten minutes between pulls sometimes when you're not actually taking a break mm-hmm. and most people are just standing around and you have two or three people having an extended conversation about you know over analyzing something that happened that pool to be honest right. we this is just that's what ha- would happen um and that wasn't the greatest and we so we started doing more of like you know trying to pull faster Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely where we like the point we're at now is um, for most of the time we'll maybe touch about tindril in a minute but like most of the time um, if there's nothing to talk about right like if yeah. it's just like somebody needed to dodge and there's nothing really to talk about them needing to dodge there's no like positioning thing that they messed up that caused them to have a harder time or nobody baited something wrong or dropped a puddle in the wrong spot you know then we're not going to sit there and like try and have a conversation about something that didn't matter. Um, So our, our, once we hit that point, our like between pulls kind of thing is we wipe it up, we res up, drop a fuse, hit ready check. And when everybody hits ready, then pull Pull timer starts. And it's just like, that's how we go. But there's, you know, we have warriors and preservation evoker have cooldowns that don't reset when you when you reset the boss so uh so there's a bunch of actually like 45 to a minute between between poles where we just gotta we gotta wait for stasis or we gotta wait for i don't i don't know what the warrior ability is but like we, we wait for their cooldowns gotcha yeah yeah i think for us like the the biggest difference is even when we're at that point, like even when we're at that point of fire act, there is still like, there's a beat that we take. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. it's not, you take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, there is that piece. And I think even then we will still, maybe that's the difference in our raid. And I, I noticed this actually is like, we, well, except for one time your raid leader got a little angry at someone messing something a little up. bit, <laughs> a little bit angry. Yes. Yeah. I think you probably know the specific point. Like it was a couple oh, yeah. of right before the kill. Um, yeah. but I, I think in general, like we, we, we have a very, like our raid leader is pretty direct, right. In terms of like, when you mess up, like he wants yeah. to hear you say that you messed up. And that's sort and, of the, I think the thing that takes a little bit of time for us is that like, there's that, yeah. the, we want to hear like as a raid, or at least from a, from a cultural perspective, like we want to hear that feedback loop that, you know, you messed up. And yeah. so even if it's just like, Hey, position wronger, Hey, I thought I was L three red, but I was really L four red and I counted wrong. Like, even yeah. though that's like a very straightforward reason to wipe, like there's an expectation that as a person in the raid, you say that out loud. Um, yeah. We're somewhere in the middle with that because we, we want to make sure we know and that the person mm-hmm. knows, you know, if they messed up, they should know that they messed up. And ideally, you know, that's what happens. Yeah. Um, but we also like, uh, we had a couple back-to-back pulls on Friday where people just died to frontals in phase one, yeah. right? And we're not going to sit there and like make them say that, oh, I ate a frontal in phase one. Yeah. Like we, uh, we call a wipe and literally as people are running off the platform, I'm sitting there, I've got the details like death list pulled up. I don't have the damage meter or the healing meter pulled up during yeah. combat. I just have deaths. 
So like literally as people are, are running off, I'm just mousing over those and it's like, okay, blaze plus frontal, frontal plus frontal. That's it. We know yeah. what happens. Um, but there are things like when shadow cage stuff, especially was a big one on Friday. Uh, mm-hmm. When that kind of thing happens, like we do like need to know like, okay, why did that get missed? What happens that you didn't get the shadow cage breaks or that you didn't get in position for shadow cage, right? Mm-hmm. Like what went wrong? We actually, like we had uh, part of the reason, well, not that much of a reason that we had trouble with shadow cages. We we had to swap healers because gotcha. our priest was, our healer priest was out on Friday. Oh no. So we brought a second preservation evoker in. So we had one on the stasis build and one on the blossom build. But anyway, um, they were not, familiar with how little time they have to get to the stack markers when they get shadow cages so there were a couple of like okay they were too slow they didn't get there and Mm -hmm. in one case they got saved like some one of the extra people with the with the molten eruption got them out which was great and another one of them they actually clipped the person that was supposed to break their marker so the the person didn't get to break either oh no yeah um and that's like it's not the the person's fault that had the molten eruption that they got stunned there. Like this, this evoker just hovers on top of them and then they get stunned. <laughs> yeah. Coming from the sea, yeah, flying in yep. from the side. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, um, oh, sorry. But yeah, like it, it kind of, I think for us, it kind of depends. We do want to make sure people know what they did wrong, but also like sometimes like I've tried in the past to have it always be like them acknowledging that they got it wrong, but there's mm-hmm. a little bit of like a mental boom that can happen where like trying to, especially when somebody has it happen multiple times in a row. Oh, they yeah. kind of think like, like uh, I ate a fire beam. Yeah. I ate a fire beam again. Yeah. I ate a fire beam again, kind of deal. And people can kind of get, get tilted from, from having that. And like, if you know what happens, you know what happens. Yeah, no, I I will say that that is to me, like for me personally, every progression fight, there is a night or like a string of probably like 10 pulls where I will do that, where I will be the one that makes like the same silly mistake over and over again. And like I will, at least in like for, and maybe that's the difference, like for me personally, like I already know I screwed up. I don't want to mic up and say I screwed up, but like I'll type. We have have people like that and we've had conversations with specific people. Yeah it can cause problems sometimes where like we don't call out certain people too much because like we know they've been in the guild for like half yeah, a decade like, yeah. and we know. Um, but then some of the, like somebody new comes in they're like, well, they, they've made as many mistakes. And it's like, yes, we've been through this with them multiple times in the past. You haven't had that history yet. Yeah. 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 There is that, is, that does happen even for us, but um, but yeah, no, I think it was just, it was really interesting to see like the, the pull speed you guys did. I did have a, I did have one question. So you said you made a mistake on Tindril progression, oh, yeah. like your night one. Right. So like what, yeah, what happened there? Let's, let's talk before we talk about that. Let's, yeah. let's put some numbers in okay, context yeah. for people. So I've got prog stats and Warcraft logs pulled up for both our guilds. And, um, so this is anomalies guild decidedly uncouth. You guys Hell killed yeah. Firek last week. Um, and so the numbers I want to highlight, uh, Smolderon, Tintral, and Firek pull counts and kill times. Mm-hmm. You went 84 pulls, 321 pulls, and 271 pulls, right? Um, if we go to Occasional Excellence, we went 154 pulls, 507 pulls, and 366 pulls. Now, Smolderon took us twice as many pulls as you guys. Yeah. And also took us twice as much time. Um Smaller run did not go great for us. Uh, Tindril uh, took us uh, like six hours longer. We went from 20, you guys had about 24 hours on it. We had about 30. Mm-hmm. But we did, uh, what is that, like 40% more pulls? Yeah. Re- yeah. Um, it's a lot more pulls. Uh, and then on Firek, uh, you guys, again, 271 pulls to our 366, but we actually spent less time on Firek, which is what prompted this conversation, I think. Yeah. Like, you guys spent about uh, about 29 20? hours, and we spent about 26. Uh, but we had, like, almost 100 more pulls. Which is, for a boss like Firek, that's a lot of pulls. It's a lot of additional pulls. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I think some of that is like whether you wipe in phase one or phase two, phase three. And right. once we started getting to phase two, like we were like phase two is not 
really our problem on yeah. Fire Act. So there's an element of that, but like Tindril specifically. So you know how I mentioned that like normally, normally we're like way more talky earlier in Prague. We'll we'll mm-hmm. wipe, we'll talk about what happened, we'll talk about what the positioning things are that'll make that easier, you know, all that stuff, even when it's something simple like eating a fire beam. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, early on, there's often things you can talk about to be like, okay, where is it safe for me to stand that's going to make it easier for me to like dodge fire beams? Right. We didn't do that on Tindril. Like everybody, you know, if, if you go and you read people talking about progressing this fight, there there's a lot of talk about chain pulling this fight because you just have to get through phase one. Phase right. one is, is such a rough check. You just have to get reps on and you have to get through it. And um, so... Full disclosure, I'm not our raid lead. Yeah. I don't normally run like the moment-to-moment operations within a raid night. I do a lot of our like spreadsheets and stuff mm-hmm. um, and help with calls, but I'm not the raid lead. Um, our raid lead was out the first night of Tindril, and I was just having a fucking chain pull. We did it. <laughs> 93 pulls oh, in the I first think. night of Tindril. That is 93 pulls in four hours. That's 25 polls an hour almost. It was insanity. People hated it. And it actually like the damage that that did there. Like, obviously we didn't, we didn't take the time to have those conversations about, mm-hmm. you know, what you could do that would make it easier, what we could do to make like roots die faster and safer and things like that. And they were actually pretty far reaching repercussions for this, which is part of why it took us so long to kill this boss. Yeah. Um. And so there's things like, okay, the fact that, we weren't really taking the time to talk. People kind of checked out. Like, yep. That's... Within that raid night, people kind of checked out. But then beyond, it went beyond that. People had such a shit time on that that, like, the ment- our mental on that fight for like the next two weeks was just like in the gutter oh, in yeah. large part because of like that raid night. Just like people hated it. They were not, they didn't want to show up and like do that again. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was, I will say, sorry, just, just one point that was that was the same issue we had i'll say like after the first night was just a ton of people are like i never want to see this boss again like i just yeah already over it which is wild for like a night one of progression so oh yeah a night one of progression on a long boss yeah um but there's also things like i I was looking through one of the things we actually had like we had a lot of trouble with fire beams and with um with root cleaves i looked Mm -hmm. through a bunch of other guilds progression on this fight and we had like triple the number of deaths from people clean cleaving roots oh wow it was a common thing and i i do looking back at it i do think that part of the issue is that we spent this this time early in Prague, spinning our wheels not taking time to talk through our issues not taking time to talk about like how are we gonna get people in for the root aoe without fucking murdering each other yeah and then like genuinely just like the next two weeks we're basically recovering from that terrible raid night and we never really got through that yeah right like it got easier because they nerfed the amount of damage the roots did so it happened less often for us but it was still a problem up until we killed the boss yeah yeah and i think i think for us like the 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 biggest thing that we did it was like after the first night there was a very noticeable thing that said like if we can make because the biggest issue with the fight even post nerf is the second roots in p1 like yeah. that's where in the like the pre-nerf version it's you have t- four fire beams so like two casts of it go off uh and just dodging and positioning yourself in a way where you can kill roots and and also not get hit by those beams um, yeah. It's difficult. It's very difficult. So a lot of a lot of teams will basically use every type of like freedom, basically any type of root break you like can, that. yeah, uh, for that second roots. And so when we were going through that, like after that first night, like everyone in our raid, at least I can't say for everyone, but all of the healers that could go gnome went gnome because it was such a frustrating experience that like without being mm-hmm. prompted, like it was like I went gnome. Our priest actually only two of us went it. Because uh, we only have a priest and a, and a monk, our paladin. I don't think monks can be or gnomes can be paladins. Gnomes can't be paladins. Yeah. yeah, but they have a they have a thing, and then our evoker was getting um, a freedom anyway already. So no, so and a couple other people went gnome in the raid just because we needed. Yeah, yeah like making that part simpler made the rest of the fight for us better. And so it was a yeah. 
very much a, like a specific case in our raid group that like we went and did that and then yeah i played tiger's lust like i actually cast it on somebody other than myself for like the first yeah. time in years and that's we <laughs> that's one of the things that that also went wrong with like that first thing we did not have a comp that could freedom everybody on that yeah and so there's tech that Northern Sky used where you can have your your Havoc Demon Hunters hit Netherwalk if they're going to get hit by a beam mm-hmm. and just sit in their route. And um, so that's what our plan was for that night. And honestly, it's just really hard. Yeah, I mean... not, not that- The act of hitting Netherwalk is not very really hard. Doing that and then also not dying to the adds living too long. Because when on Mythic, if you break your roots, you spawn a Treant. The Treant pulses AoE damage. Oh, uh, it's a big frame rate killer as well. Which is another fun problem that people love dealing with. Yeah. Um, but when you have you know eighteen treants up or seventeen, and the demon hunter sitting there with netherwalk, and like they're one of our big AOE damage for that set, they have to balance like doing their AOE damage with not getting murdered by a beam. Yeah, yeah, and that was the that was the one thing that at least we knew about going in was like, that was going to be our strat was going to freedom as much as we can and yeah. basically layer healing cooldowns there. Cause like yeah. people were going to die. And yeah. so like, that was the big adjustment we made from night one to night two was like, people went gnome. We adjusted some healing cooldowns. So we had like, I think a rally and AM at that point. Um, and that really helped sort of clean up that, that phase for us. But no, I think, um, that was the other kind of, I guess, raid progression thing that we started doing this tier that I don't know if you guys did, but we... Race changes. We, well, race changes was one, but then also raid plans was a big thing for us that oh, we, yeah. typically don't, we typically don't do you this. You should see where, our Sarkarath raid plan. Yeah, so we never did it. Like, I, I don't... I mean, we might have done it for Sarkarath and, like, maybe limited for, for Razageth, yeah. but before this expansion, like, we very rarely used raid plans. And, like, now, yeah. like, for, for Firax specifically, we had... We basically we had a, a phase one raid plan and that's all we saw so like yeah. do phase one get to phase yeah. two consistently like two three times then we get to see the phase two raid plan and it was basically like eight slides of like here's your yeah. movement across like the, the various portions of the fight yeah um, that's we didn't do that for tendril um and i think that that is one of the areas that we messed up by not doing that like we tried to adapt yeah. other people's raid plans and not really change them and we really needed to to sit down and like make our own based on them instead and there's the reason i say that is not because i think we'd make a better one but because the act of like making your own forces you to understand it exactly yeah or or like see your name like so we use names for everything so like you see your name in the position not just some icon so i i can like we have these in our in our sheet for for p2 and p3 um, where we have on the like CCs, we have everybody like icon, mm-hmm. the name, the description, what you're doing. And in P3, where your seed is, it's your name for the one you're picking up and your name for wh- where you're dropping it. Yeah. But then there's like, we we were hitting P3 around the point that they nerfed Firak, uh HP. And we were like, well, we probably don't have to do the fourth seed. We ended up doing the fourth seed because we had one of our raiders dead for almost all of P2 <laughs> and P3 because they got hit by Shadow Cage and didn't get out. Nice. Um, nice. It was the most tragic thing. They were almost in it, and like they just weren't quite stacked. And like the, from the VOD, it looks like they're going to hit both, and they just don't. That's awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we did the fourth seed and then, and then rest them and killed the killed it after. But anyway, taking the time to go through the raid plan, like we had, I've been discussing with the raid lead, like here's, you know, how we're going to do the seed drops, and we we're going to do something different. Um, and I went through making the raid plan. And I was like, wait a second, this thing we were talking about is not going to work because yeah. of how we actually have to move to the open space after each one, we were going to like flip the L around that people usually do. And yeah. if we do that, we're going to have this super dangerous thing really early on for no reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did that, that taught us here, you know, here's why you do it the way everybody else is is doing this and we we took that and we modified it like we'd used way more space under the expectation that we weren't doing the fourth seed mm-hmm. and then so like we used like virtually the whole platform on the first three seeds yeah oh wow yeah no that was i mean for us i think that that helped immensely like those those rate plans yeah the same idea of like you you can sort of see the movement before you do it because like to be fair like i'll be honest with you like i watch the world first guilds kill these bosses i don't watch 
like the dratnos like guy yeah. after the fact like there's you, don't, okay. you just don't do that anymore like it's just, yeah. yeah there's a sizable um some of those are are not as helpful as as you might think they are so okay. i'm going to highlight the specific one uh in vault of the incarnates uh the raid lead from consequence put out a video about Razageth. It was very detailed. It was like CD planning and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And one of the things in it that seems like a good idea on the surface was CD planning to min-max your shield duration in phase two of Razageth. Okay. Razageth AFKs if you break her shield early. She just sits there and auto-attacks the tank. Mm-hmm. There is no reason to min-max those. And it actually cost us a lot of times because we went in and we're like, okay, well, this is like a thing that we got from this this... Uh, gotcha. you know, pretty high rated guild. We're going to take this strat of like trying to min max these, and that cost us time. We had a bunch where we were trying to min max it, we were like taking damage off of shields, and then we would miss a shield break and just instantly wipe. Yeah, but then we switched to just like send it, just break the shield because effectively, at the end of the day, it's just boss HP. You yeah, have to break this many shields, unless you're skipping one, which we were not on progression. No, uh, yeah. it's just boss HP. So there's no reason to hold stuff off of it. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think yeah, from from our perspective, yeah, it, just, it was so it was just interesting, like the time thing around this whole whole topic of yeah. like it's just the different different progress strategies. So I think yeah, every every guild does it slightly differently, and I think for us, like I said, like it's it's a lot of like number one, like the whole accountability. Not account because I think every guild has accountability, but like the callouts yeah. for why you're dying is like very to me it's it's polarizing because i to be fair if you were to ask me in any other guild i probably would hate it yeah right? because like it, the other aspect of this guild is there are a player or two in my guild that also likes to answer for you uh maybe not in the nicest way <laughs> so there's some there's a little bit of frustration i'll say that people yeah. might feel if you're new and you don't understand the culture a little bit or like just the the mentality yeah. um which yeah, to your point, that's that's the maybe the one downside of the way we do it. But I think secondarily for us, the biggest change has been not only like the raid plans, but also the like you mentioned the thing about someone dying, and like a lot of times early in progression, like the response to someone dying, particularly to maybe like a frontal, if they don't think they got hit by it, was like, oh, I just didn't get healed, and like that's the only oh, yeah, reason we, we banned. Take- yeah, so that was the I think that we need to start doing that in my guild because like that's the biggest response I'll get. Like we'll get and I'll look at his I'll look at the death log and be like, you ate two frontals. Like, what do you mean you didn't get healed? Like, what do you yeah. well, you ate a frontal right before the huge AoE? Like we the, we whatever more or less banned like I bled out. Yeah, as a as a valid answer that you can give because yeah. we had exactly that same problem. There are times like we swapped a healer on Friday because we mm-hmm. had to and we did actually have people bleed out but that's because we swapped a healer and we knew that was going to happen that's part of just the course yeah, of things like, but like we we have not had an issue with people like actually bleeding out from just regular damage the only times it's happened has been like something but like smolder on right S- yeah. we let three orbs go in somebody bleeds out the issue is not the healers the issue is that we let three orbs go into the boss and he's doing 21 percent more damage yeah exactly yeah, that's the that'll that's the probably the other reason it takes us a little bit longer to pull is it I will look at death logs and I people will be like, I don't know how I died, or like I bled out, and I'll be like, No, you didn't. Like, go look at your death log. Like, this yeah. is what happened. Or yeah. yeah, or we get the whole like, yeah. Anyway, we don't have to get yeah. into that part of it. It's, it's sort of over the conversation. But no, I mean I think <laughs> um no, I, I think in general, like it's just interesting the way like guilds approach progression. Cause I think like there is there is merit to like just getting reps in, and there are certain bosses and certain progression nights where we'll just get reps in. Yeah. But to be fair, it's never like it. Just it was such a big difference. You you mentioned yeah. Tendril being the biggest difference. To me, it was actually the the Firak difference that that I thought was wild. So it was, I'm actually I'm looking at this again now, and it's uh, like a hundred more pulls, like only three more hours. So which is just, there's uh, if you look at I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up on the stream too. If you look at Friday, February 9th on Prog Stats, it's mm-hmm. got the pull count right. This is the same pull count that we have on Warcraft logs. Friday, February 9th is blank on the chart. And yep. I'm betting there's some like fucked up timestamp in that log that's oh, gotcha. potentially breaking the amount of time. So maybe this conversation was spawned by a programming error. It could also be that it's got the total time for that right. I'd have to go through and add up the nights manually. Yeah. Uh, to, Is that for uh, us or for you guys? For, for us. Okay. So it could potentially cut out like 
a night at Prague, which would be about three hours, which is yeah. would put us at a similar amount of time as you guys had. Mm-hmm. But of course, still a hundred more pulls. Yeah, which is like, yeah, that's what sort of spawned it. Cause like, yeah, we had killed it very similarly. So, um, but okay, yeah, it's yeah. always interesting. Um, the whole progression ideas, um, the way guilds approach it. So, yeah, and like we've we've changed and evolved how we do things so much over the years. It's barely reckon like if if we looked at how we did things in like Sanctum, it's completely different. Oh, not us. Like ours is still the exact like that's the thing about like from a leadership perspective and like the fact that like our healing like like I've been a part of the healing core for so long and like our mm-hmm. raid leaders have been there for so long. Like our approach to almost every fight. That's why the raid plans are are I'm calling them out because this is the first tier that I remember us doing them like for specific phases of a fight, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so that's like a brand new thing for us. We typically we had, urge, don't do that. We had pretty big detailed ones for like the Jailer and for, for Sarkareth. Like we did a, uh, we were one of the first people to do the no down strat on Sarkareth. It was uh, us, Peony's Guild, if you recognize that name, mm-hmm. uh, was I think the actual first team to do it, but they killed it like the week before we killed it, right? So we... Uh, we were working on that at the same time as other people like figuring out how this strat works. Yeah. So we, we had our own rain plans for that one for sure. Nice. Awesome. Well, cool. I uh, think that's, I think it's everything. I have one final point that doesn't really involve this, but I did kill heroic Lich King uh, on Friday hey, or on Wednesday. Congrats. I mean, dude, last poll of the night. It was great. Our DK died to a shadow trap in phase one uh, and we still killed that's it. That's how it goes. Uh, so yeah, we 24 man Troak Lich King. Um, but no, got it down. Uh, so that was that was exciting. I'm now done for Wrath, we'll say. <laughs> so I'm a winner. Um so double progression bosses down. We have a, a good good week or two. So. One of them a little bit harder than the other, we'll say. Yeah, sli- sli- slightly. Just slightly. Yeah, slightly. Uh, but yeah, that is gonna be it for the show today. Thank you all for watching and or listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you do enjoy it and you want to support it and the other work that we do over on the Patreon, you can do that over at over on the website now now i've completely messed up the outro you can support pikasrenity.com over at patreon.com slash pikasrenity and of course come join the discord it's the best place to come hang out talk tech for bosses and progression and bully anomaly for the fact that he's swapping off of mistweaver it's a brave new world out there maybe we talk about that more next week yeah but yeah that's gonna be it for the show today thank you all for listening and we will see you next week bye